All right. Welcome, everybody, to an all-new episode of GVN Review. This episode, we will be talking action movies. Now, whether that be, whether that is, sorry, best action movie directors, best action movie fight scenes, and I think I got here, best action movie, completely forgot what I have here. Oh, best action uh, drama. Um, action dramas are, there's a lot more action dramas than I thought there would be. So I, you know, this turned out to be a way better topic than I originally thought. Um, so I'm glad we got it on there. Action dramas exist and they're actually really good. So, but without further ado, I'm your host, Jawan, and I want to welcome in two of the smartest minds in action movie history, starting off first with Chris. What's up, Chris? I don't know about the smartest mind in action movie history. That's putting a lot of pressure on me, man. Hey, hey, <laughs> take it, Chris. Take all that pressure. Uh, yeah, no, just just been working this week. It's uh, it's actually been pretty chill for the most part for me, and uh, excited to talk movies with you guys. So, looking forward to the show. How has your week been? Uh, it's been pretty crazy. I think the Chinese spot that I always go to and tip really well, and I don't usually tip, but I tip them really well. I think they got me sick. So um, outside of that, I've been, you know, pretty good. Uh, but <laughs> also welcoming in Dan. What's up, Dan? I'm glad someone finally called me by my true title, the greatest mind in action movie history thank you for that <laughs> dan actually has it on his license like how normal people have like their address it's his name and then underneath that is his title which is that right there right on his license you know make on sure my imdb page yeah make sure you ask him if you don't believe it so uh so he can show you guys <laughs> no uh thank you for that introduction that's very kind of you uh now i'm going to go ahead and make a fool of myself with all of these uh, categories, and <laughs> it'll just be super disappointing. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, that's that's what we bring here. We we bring disappointment, but fun. So it's a fun disappointment. So everyone will enjoy it. Um, but let's get right into it. I kind of want to do action dramas last, so I'm gonna kind of go out of order here. Um, I want to start with best action movie directors. Now, again, this show is purely opinionated. So I don't want anyone out there to go, oh, you guys didn't mention that name. Maybe whoever you're thinking is someone that maybe didn't leap off the screen for us or someone else kind of favored to us more so than anything else. So this isn't for us to look for right answers. This is for us to look for honest answers. And so I don't throw anyone under the bus. I will go first with one of my favorite action movie, action movie directors as of late. And that would be Mr. David Leach. Uh, he is currently going to be doing the bullet train, which possibly is assembling one of the best um, casts I've seen in a while. Um, also, he's going to be working on the Division live action movie. But you will know David from Hobbs and Shaw movie, which, again, I look for everyone that thinks Fast and Furious movies are good. Uh, Hobbs and Shaw, I thought, was way more watchable than, like, the last two Fast and Furious. Um, anything Jason Satham in, you got me. Like, that's 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 how you sell me. Um, but he's also done Deadpool 2 and Atomic Blonde and John Wick. Um, the man knows what he's doing when it comes to action. We, all, we spoke very highly of John Wick before. 
Um, Atomic Blonde was really, really, really good. I don't know why more people don't look to put Charlize Theron in action stuff, but hopefully that changes and changes soon. Um, I really like his style. Um, I the scripts to some of the stuff that he directs is like, nah. But um, overall, I love his his uh, his action style. We were saying how we kind of felt as though John Wick somewhat reinvented the wheel of action movies. Um, so huge shouts out to him. I loved it. Um, the first John Wick, I a lot of people go John Wick 2, John Wick 3. I still go back to that first John Wick and just go, I remember not knowing what the hell to expect. Uh, the premise being this retired hitman looking for revenge after like his dog is killed. I'm like, that sounds like a fucking Keanu Reeves movie that I'm going to go in and go, I probably should have smoked before I like, I went to see this. And I saw it and was like, wow, this is really, really, really good. Um, so yeah, David makes it on, on the list for me first. Um, Dan, I'll start with you, man. Uh, what are your thoughts on my pick for, uh, for David? Can't really hear you, Dan. Are you are you far away? No, I'm right here. Oh, I don't know why it's so. I can't hear. It's like so low. Try again. I can, but it's so faint. Chris, is it just me, or or, or can you hear him well? Chris? <laughs> yeah, no, it's low for me as well. Okay. Yeah. I don't know what it is. I, I have the laptop right up against my face. That is crazy. Like, this is never, I've never experienced this potting with you. Um, maybe, maybe it's the, um, my wife is streaming right now. So maybe she's using a lot of the bandwidth. You want to try coming out and coming back in and see if that helps? Sure. Here, let me, uh, I'll close out. All right, just come right back in. Uh, I'm going to go to Chris while you do that. Um, Chris, your thoughts on David as a uh, action movie director and him making the list for me? I think a lot of it makes sense with specifically with John Wick and uh, Atomic Blonde. If you're fans of those films, I could see him easily being someone you're at least excited about the future of. Um, also, him being a second unit director of a few films we talked about, one that we kind of gushed over last time, which was The Mechanic. Yep. Right. Um, he and and he was he also did the Wolverine, which there's some good fighting scenes and some action in that movie. Regardless of whether people liked the movie or not, that might be a different question for a different day. But he's obviously got a pedigree. I wasn't the biggest fan of Hobbs and Shaw. I think it was pretty. It's fun. Um, I am excited to see what he does with Bullet Train. But I mean, the thing that stands out the most on that resume is John Wick. And as we talked about uh, last time we were on with action films. Specifically, John Wick is one that kind of turned us all around, like yeah. <laughs> made us believe in the fact that action movies can be just straight action movies. Mm -hmm. um, he also did did he he did Deadpool too, right? Yeah. Okay, so those are those would be the things that I've seen him most in, and then outside of this, the second unit directing, the one that would stand out the most for me would be uh, the mechanic in Hitman Agent Forty Seven, which I hope they revisit at some point because there's a better movie to be shown there 
Yeah, I, I do believe Hitman, like Assassin's Creed, is way better as a show format, uh, like a Netflix series, than it is a, a full-length movie. Um, just because with Agent 47, there's just a lot to break down. Um, and I kind of feel like a show would, would do it more justice than a, uh, a movie would. You just had two cracks at it. And the first one I thought was a classic. Uh, the second one, I was really confused. Like, what game were you basing that shit off of? Um, but, you know, you kind of look at it and you kind of go, eh, it, it deserves to it deserves to come to life. I just don't know. Like, movie, some video games don't need to be movies. Um, and David's working on uh, The Division, which is a very popular game. So we'll get to see, you know, how that looks. But, um, yeah, some things just, you know, it's okay to be a series. But, yeah, I mean, I will say, and I'm going to go to you, Dan, now that we got you back. But I will say one of the biggest things and one of the biggest reasons why John Wick thrived as much as it did is there hasn't been that many good action movies in the past 10 years. Um, now, if you want to say, like, oh, there's been, like, these – uh, these movies that came out that aren't like these big budget films that were really good. I'm, I'm not here to argue that whatsoever. I'm speaking more so big budget, um, you know, action movies. It's just, it's too far in between. Um, literally, it's like if it, Jason Statham's not in it, The Rock's not in it. Apparently Keanu Reeves now, it's like, or Tom Cruise doesn't exist. Like it, it, it's not an action movie. Um, so hopefully we get a really big surge and I don't know who the hell we need to talk to, but bring back, uh, Kung Fu movies, bring them back, bring them back. There is a market for them. Um, uh, yeah. So, but Dan, uh, now that we got you back, uh, what, what are your thoughts on, um, David making my list for, uh, one of my favorite action movie directors today? Uh, I think it's a uh, it's a good thing. I mean, I'm not super familiar with all of his work, but uh, I am of the opinion. I know you're you're a big fan of um, like the new school, uh, I guess uh, players. As for as long as I've known you, you've been a big fan of all that stuff. So I tend I tend to go more old school, and when my my choice comes up but you'll see what I'm talking about but uh I don't know I, I feel as if you know like obviously the John Wick movies are very strong candidates uh I like them a lot but I'm I'm not sure I would say like they rejuvenated action movies or they like reinvented the wheel or anything like that uh, I think they're just strong action movies that are entertaining and that's what you want out of those movies I I wouldn't say that they're you know groundbreaking or anything along those lines but uh yeah those, those movies deadpool 2 uh not as strong as deadpool 1 in my opinion but the action is really really good in it everything is tight the action sequences are tight in those movies so yeah i can understand why you would choose him as your favorite action director I would say not reinventing the wheel, but John Wick definitely started a, a newer trend for, for action movies. But again, there's so few far in between action movies, um, you know, in the past 10 years, I would say. I'm just going 10 years. Uh, my mind's not that good for me to go any, any longer than that. But it definitely, what I mean by rejuvenated was the surge of action movies weren't that high. 
Like it, and and again, it's me putting you on the spot, so I'm not actually asking you to answer it. But if I ask you to name me five action movies between 2010 and 2020 that like were really good, you probably could name me. Not counting anything John Wick, you probably could name me a strong three. Um, there just hasn't really been that many really good action movies. Um, so to me, John Wick kind of is what started the is kind of what started the surge. And we saw a lot come after that. Like I saw um, the guy that directed The Professional uh, came out with a movie called Anna. And I'm like, well, he did The Professional, so I'm fucking watch this. That movie was so horrible. Like It was literally like the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. I still have no idea how the guy that did The Professional did that bullshit. So I'm like, I look at it and I'm just like, action movies just were seeming like they were hard to come by or, or good ones were. So I look at it and I kind of go John wick one through three flawless. Each one got better. And then from that, we got atomic blonde. Great. Um, but I, I don't know what I mean by the resurgence was it, it kind of brought the fun back to action movies that kind of seemed like it was gone. Um, Fast and furious tried its best, but, it's not really like an action movie. It's more like an adventure film um, that just has sequences of action in it, like sprinkled in it. But I don't ever watch that and go, man, those fight scenes were great. You see the way like Vin Diesel just kicked that guy in the chest and his body exploded? Like, no. So I'm like, you know, thank God for Tom Cruise's Mission Impossible. Because outside of that, I not really got that much. Um, but Dan, I I'll keep the baton in, in your hand. Um, what action movie director do you want to put up? So, like I was saying, I, I'm going more old school here. Um, and I would say two of my favorites are Ridley Scott and James Cameron. Uh, I'd probably go James Cameron, just a little bit above uh, Ridley Scott. Uh, Terminator, Terminator 2, uh, Aliens, those are, those are like upper echelon action movies. I, I feel like Terminator 2 is kind of like Mount Rushmore for action movies, in my opinion. So, yeah, th th like those movies were, they had such a good combination of uh, um, action and like practical effects. That's, and if you know me, I'm a huge fan of practical effects. Uh, so, like uh, Arnold with taking, you know, taking his arm off and the, you have the exoskeleton underneath him and or the endoskeleton underneath and everything. Just that, that kind of stuff always, I mean, I grew up with it, so I, I loved it. it. It's endearing to me. So yeah, those guys, I, I would say Cameron is probably my favorite. All right, this is difficult for me. First of all, let me preface this by saying T2 is probably, maybe not even probably, probably more definitively, the greatest sequel. Um, probably in action movie history um i don't i'll never say in movie history godfather 2 exists so um but in action movies for sure i i it might even be by a mile um but the thing with james cameron about like when it comes to action movies is i always thought what he did with his movies was, and this is not a knock to him whatsoever. Please don't take it as that. It's like a cheat code. It's like when 
Tia told me like she was going to put Winter Soldier up when we were talking like best action movies. And I'm kind of like, to me, an action movie lives off of purely its fight sequences. There is nothing else that kind of brings us to it except for the fight, right? Like, you know, obviously the story and the fighting. But to me, whenever you have the circus of like, I'm a robot, I'm an exoskeleton, I can't die. It's like you're kind of adding all these different elements to it to kind of expand it to more than just your, your typical action movie. So with him, I'm like, yes, is T2 the greatest uh, sequel in action movie history? Absolutely. It's just, it's, it's undeniable. Um, but there's just something about James Cameron to me that always riddles cheat code when he does when he does movies. Um, obviously, Terminator. Then you look at Avatar, and it's kind of like, all right, James, I would like to see regular humans in your action movies. <laughs> like, give me that. Um, but no, I mean, it, it, again, when you make T2, it's like, does anything else really matter? Like, <laughs> you made Terminator 2. Um, but Chris, I, I'll go to you. I do know how much of a huge fan you are of T2. Um, so I know you're loving James making this list. Yeah, James Cameron was also on my list. I mean, Terminator 2, I think, might be the perfect action movie. I, there, there's relatable characters. It's got good catchphrases. He turns himself off where he's only blowing off people's knees so he doesn't kill them, which is still debatable on whether they died or not after the point. <laughs> um, <laughs> but he also directed True Lies, which I think is a, a very underrated action flick. Um, he he is executive producer on Point Break, and I know he had a lot to do with some of the direction on that film. James Cameron's one of my favorites of all time. So I am not going to hit, I have nothing negative to say about that choice. Once again, he was on my list uh, for best <laughs> action film director. I will say the thing about action film directors is it's very rare you get a list of like six. Say that one more time, Chris. Think I think I lost you a little bit. Chris, this has been a crazy night for us podcasting tonight. <laughs> it's not the yes. Okay. Can you hear me now? Yeah. So right, right. it's not the same thing as like say with action films. There's there's very few directors that have quality films of like you know five to ten like you would with like drama. Someone like a Martin Scorsese, for instance, or a Francis yeah. Ford Coppola. Uh, but I feel like everything Cameron has put out that is an action movie has been pretty quality. Even even later on with, uh, what is it, uh, Battle of Alita, I thought was pretty good. I wasn't the biggest fan of it, but I think it it stands stands up. It's, it's pretty good for what they were going for. Um, so I have absolutely no problem with him being considered a, one of the best action movie directors. I will say I've always viewed James Cameron to kind of be like, um, and I know this this connection is going to go over people's heads, but bear with me. I've always viewed James Cameron relevancy wise to be the Jay-Z of directors to where it's kind of just like, Oh, you're the guy that did like the Terminator movies and like Titanic. Like how is it we're in 2010 and you're still making good movies that are not only charting well, but like 
people think they're really good movies. You do Avatar, then you come back with, uh, even though it was probably a tag team, I loved the the latest Terminator that that came out. And then, like you said, uh, Battle Angel, and it's just like, he always finds a way to kind of pop into whatever decade it is and be relevant. And it's like, oh shit, like, yeah, I forgot. Like, you still make movies. Like, when Jay-Z comes around and it's like, oh my God, he did a verse on this song. I completely forgot he even still rapped. So I'm like, James Cameron is definitely one of the best in making sure no one forgets that he exists. <laughs> like he pops in and he's like, I'm I'm still here, guys. R- relax. Um, so definitely hats off to that. But I'm with you. I remember my mom never allowed me to watch it, Chris. And when she hears it, she's probably gonna flip out, but I snuck to watch true lies and i thought true lies was phenomenal when i was maybe 12 when i think i saw it um but i was that is probably one of my more favorite arnold schwarzenegger movies uh it is true lies so definitely shout out to that but um all right all right dan that was a good pick of james cameron okay i see you um chris who are you putting on the list well after all of the uh, Mad Max talk from from last show we were on, I'm going to throw George Miller up there, specifically for the Mad Max franchise. That's uh, it's one of my favorite action film franchises. I think the way he presents that world and presents those characters is brilliant. Uh, it, the cinematography is great. Uh, I just rewatched Mad Max after that show <laughs> a few nights ago, or actually. I guess it was after the Jets lost uh, against your Patriots. <laughs> that movie was on AMC, so I ended up watching it. That was um, a good still, still holds up. It's, it's great. I mean, he's he's by far one of my favorites. And if I had to throw up someone I would put in contention, um, maybe Quentin Tarantino simply because of the, the Kill Bill series, which I absolutely love. Yeah, I, George Miller's another guy like James Cameron. Um, you know, you do something like Mad Max, it doesn't really matter what else you did. Uh, that is your, that's your legacy right there. Um, and I still have not seen a movie that has moved me visually. I will say this to the day I die, Chris, and I know you disagree with me every time I say it. Mad, the last Mad Max that we just got, obviously, was Charlize and, and Tom Hardy. I didn't think it was a great script, but when you look that good visually, I don't care. Like, like you sold me. You sold me when I'm watching you, and I'm just like, this is beautiful. Like, this is one of the best things I've seen visually, like, ever. Like, I gushed over Mad Max, how all, and again, if I offend anyone, I'm sorry, but not really, but Mad Max visually, like, stunned me the same way uh avatar stunned the simple-minded people um because i'm like one is like cinematography and then like in great visuals and then the other one is just like you had to put glasses on to truly enjoy it there's a difference um but no when you're able to do something like that that's your legacy right there there's nothing else that needs to be said and as far as quentin tarantino it took a lot for me not to say him. I think the only reason why I didn't is because I kind of thought you were going to go Quentin, uh, Chris. So I was kind of like, since I'm going first, I don't want to take what is, you know, the the one name that's probably the more popular. 
So I'm like, I'll go with one of my deep cuts. So I went with David. But the fact that you didn't go with Quentin really upsets me because had a whole thing for Quentin. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> Sorry, bud. <laughs> uh, no, no, no. It's completely fine. But uh, Quentin Tarantino, you do kill Bill. Uh, wait, Chris, I want to ask you this, and then Dan, I- I'll ask you, and then we'll move on. With the um, – obviously, these rumors didn't come from anyone substantial, but would you uh, – obviously, when things are, are better in the world, but would you buy a ticket to see Zendaya as uh, – uh, what's her name's daughter seeking revenge on Uma Thurman, Chris? Depends on who's directing it and who's writing it, I guess. No, would Quentin, be the no. it, it would legit be Quentin. Quentin would come back to, like, instead of doing, like, a Kill Bill 3 that's, like, about uh, the, the continuation of specifically that character, it'd be Kill Bill 3, but it's literally through that lady's daughter's eyes. And the revenge is now hers. She's seeking revenge against, um, you know, uh, like that's the whole purpose of the story. So Quentin so, will be coming back for it. So she's coming. She's coming for the bride, essentially. Right. Exactly. Um, yeah, I think you could make an intriguing story about that. The only problem is all of the assassins are dead, unless you're telling me the bride decided to take over the assassin industry to support her family. I mean, you could, or it could just be something as simple as she's trying to live her life. Every, you know, everybody that's, that tried to kill her is gone now. And now it's the, you know, I can't remember the actress's name, but Zendaya's character is now seeking revenge for the death of her mother. So it's literally, it's not like she has to go through all these assassins to make it to the bride. It's legit her journey of revenge to, to, to finding the bride. And maybe it's, taking out people that are close to the bride to get, you know, to get to her. Um, you know, obviously I, I, this would be for Quentin to figure out, but um, I, I, Zendaya, I think is very talented and I think she could definitely uh, make that work with Uma Thurman. Um, and it'd be, it'd be a great concept to see revenge from someone else's point of view. Um, since we've seen it from the bride this entire time. So it's like, I don't know. I, I'd definitely be down for that. And I'd only want to see it if Quentin came back to direct it. Like, um, like I, I, I wouldn't like it if he just wrote it and someone else directed it. I'd need him in that chair. Um, but Dan, like, how would you feel if, if, if we got that for a, a Kill Bill 3? That'd be great. Uh, I love Zendaya. Uh, I love the Kill Bill movies. I think that's a very interesting premise because obviously uh, the first two movies are about revenge anyway. So uh, you have that lesson where it's pretty much a vicious circle where uh, the bride gets her revenge, but now uh, I forget the actress's name as well. Yeah, I'm going to look it up. Go ahead. <laughs> but now the daughter is seeking revenge there. So it's just, again, this this cycle of revenge and when does it really end? Uh, yeah, I, I would be, I would definitely see that movie. And, and I enjoy pretty much every Quentin Tarantino movie anyway, in, to some degree. So, you know, you're not going to be given something that's lackluster if right. he directs that movie. Right. And it's, it's one of those things where it's like the concept makes so much sense. It wouldn't be one of those oh, he's just forcing it so, like, we can get another Kill Bill. It's like, it makes perfect sense. And yeah. 
you know, the time, you know, matches up with the age of where the story would be now. So I'm like, it, it's not one of those, because Chris, you know, we've seen it so many times where it's like, oh, this is a, a, a cash grab. Perfect example, Rush Hour 3. Shouldn't have been made. That was easily a cash grab. Like, you didn't even try to make that movie good. So I'm like, this wouldn't be that. This is a premise that purely makes sense to come back. Um, and, and I think it could be done very well. And the actress's name is Vivica A. Fox, and her character was Vernita Green. Um, just so we put that out there so we can stop saying I forget who she was, because I did. I could remember her name to save my life. Um, but I think that could be a lot of fun, a lot of fun, and it would make a lot of a lot of money. Uh, Zendaya is very, very, very popular out there right now. Um, so it would do it would do wonders for that project completely. Um, and who wouldn't like to see Uma Thurman suit back up in the yellow? Um, I definitely would. That was definitely like that stood out to me more so than anything. Um, that's iconic. Uma Thurman in the yellow. Come on. Yeah, it's uh, I, I, like I said, I think the biggest thing is if Quentin Tarantino writes and directs it, I'm totally there. Right. If, you know, that's that's the big gap. But it is per set up perfectly for that plot because when she kills Vivica Fox's character, she does tell the little girls, like, if you still sort, if you still feel bad about this when you get older, come find me. Right. So it, it is a perfect setup for a sequel. It's just yep. make sure the right person writes it and maybe directs it or if he's not going to direct it maybe maybe give a nod to george a romero or something someone he's worked with before right <laughs> to be fair i'm looking here kill bill one and kill bill two he wrote and directed so it's like that'd probably be the best recipe uh <laughs> for him going forward but you're right that literally like that's how smart quentin tarantino is like that legit was like a little nugget that we could have easily looked at and said, oh, it means nothing. Or 20 years later, we could be looking at that actually coming to life. Um, so, I mean, you just look at it and you're like, I love this guy. I fucking love Quentin Tarantino. I mean, at some point, I would love for his movies to get a little less wordy. Um, but, I mean, at this point, you just, you, you, you take it, you know? You, you just take it. Um all right, let's move on. Let's talk um, best action fight scenes. And I'm going to start with literally the movie I just ended with, and that is Kill Bill, uh, the first one. That fight scene at the end was so well choreographed. It was really, really, really good. Um, and again, that's iconic. Like when you think of that move, the yellow is it is immediately what pops up. You think of how bright that yellow was, how dominant she was at the end of that. And one of the biggest things I have to give Quentin cre uh, credit for was the tease at the end that led to uh, the, the sequel that no one really saw coming. It was like, wait, what? She got a baby. Like, you know, so it was like, uh, or, or the baby's still alive. Um, so, I mean, just kudos to that. But that action sequence was so well done. It's definitely making the list for me. Like, that's not even up for discussion. Um, but, Dan, I'll go to you first. Your thoughts on the end of Kill Bill 1 making our list for best action uh, fight scenes? Uh, like I, I was saying before, uh, I enjoyed everything about those movies the, the action scenes are ridiculous 
uh, I, the uh, was it the the bride versus the uh, the crazy eighty eights? I mean that's I mean that's pure perfection right there. I mean that's that's action porn. Uh, yeah, that, that's so good. Uh, yeah, I mean, you can't go wrong with that. Uh, so that's a solid, solid choice. Yeah, to me, I, I, it's funny because I was telling myself like how safe of a choice that was. Um, but I'm like, I got a few here that, you know, aren't as obvious as, as, as that one. But, you know, sometimes obvious needs to be said, you know, so people don't think like you're, you're overlooking it. That definitely deserves a spot on anyone's best fight scene list. Uh, that, and that's for sure. Um, but Chris, I'm going to go to you. What action scene are you putting up to make the list? Well, I will say that yeah, yeah, the bride versus the crazy 88 was on my, my list of fights. I would talk about if no one else mentioned it, it's great. Also, <laughs> if you can find the full color version of that fight, it kind of makes it even better, uh, because they did release that. So check that out if you haven't seen it, but that, I mean, it's iconic. She kills 88 people, yep. technically 89 if you if you like the snow fight at the end against uh, Lucy Liu. Oh, I can't. So yes, 89. <laughs> which is, it's, it's, uh, it's just iconic. I mean, even the over-the-top blood splatter, everything in that is, is absolutely great. But if I'm going to throw something up there, um, Legend of the Drunken Master, specifically the market scene where Ling, which is Wong's stepmother, uh, basically tells Wong it's okay to get drunk so he can use his drunken boxing for the first time in the film. It's great. Everything about it's great. The amount of comedy that's there. Jackie Chan's perfect in it. The martial arts that's in the fight scene is it's great. It's all practical. Um, phenomenal. One of my favorites of all time. If I see that movie on anywhere, I will find myself tuning into it, even if it's midway through. Absolutely love that fucking movie. Excuse my language, but. Uh... So that makes the list for you. All right, Dan, are you familiar with that uh, with that movie? No, I've, I've never seen that. That sounds very interesting. Yeah, I'm actually watching some of it now, Chris, and I'm like, Jackie Chan, I, I feel like today's, like, today's generation doesn't understand, like, how freaking dope <laughs> Jackie Chan was and, like, how we didn't deserve him. Uh, we don't deserve him. I, I didn't makes it sound like he's not still here. We don't deserve Jackie. Um, it's just I'm looking at this now, and I'm like, God, it's so fluid. Like, that's one thing Jackie Chan was just a master at. It was how fluid his fighting looked. Um, obviously, no one will ever get as fluid as the OG of OGs, but Jackie was just on a whole nother level. Um, so I'll make sure I finish, I finish watching that, Chris, uh, and add that movie to my list. But um, no, anytime you put Jackie Chan on there, I mean, it's it's like, duh, yeah, of course. I mean... You, if you're making a list of like top 50, it's like Jackie Chan could probably make at least five, uh, like at least five spots Jackie Chan could be in. Um, good. Like I said, I started watching some of it while um while you were talking, but uh, definitely looks so fluid. Um, Dan, I, I'll go to you. What uh what action uh, scene are you putting up? Uh, all right. So I I have a group action scene and then just like a single action scene. So I'll uh, say this, say one and then we'll, everyone will go around again. Okay. So, all right. So I'll do the group action scene. Um, 
and you're gonna you're probably going to poop your pants when I say this because I'm actually gonna give someone that I don't hold in high regards some props here. <laughs> um, uh, the first fight scene in 300, the, like the first charge of the Persian army against the Spartans. Uh, that movie, that scene, when like, it just that gets me pumped up. I feel like I, I could run through every brick wall in the world. Um, like the, the just like the dialogue and when uh, the, the the Persian leader or like the, the the guy tells the Spartans to lay down their weapons and you get shanked from like a football field away with a spear and then like the music. It's it's very it's intense. It's an awesome action scene, and they just slaughter all these dudes. Uh, so that's that's one of my favorite action scenes. When we go around again, um, I'll do my just like my individual one. But the the first fight scene in Three Hundred is awesome. I love that action scene. Yeah, I know. Part of you was like throwing up while the other part of you was was talking about it. Um, <laughs> but you know. It, it, it's good that you can step out and give Zach some credit, you know, you know. Well, uh, listen, when when he does something good, I give credit, and when he doesn't, I just I go off on tangents for days. And <laughs> I will say that that's one thing Dan makes sure he um, he's consistent with is he can go on. <laughs> he can go it's, on. It's really I have to work on it. <laughs> no i love it if there's one like let me say this and then we're gonna go we're gonna go around again one thing i'm always a fan of when someone disagrees with me is consistency if you're consistent on it that will always make me favor you no matter what your take is because to be that consistent every single time it's brought up is a talent and people don't understand that like, it's very easy to like, oh, you know, forget this small detail here that you hated or that detail there that you hated. And then like, maybe your mind changes later. But to maintain that shit for forever, I appreciate it. I definitely appreciate it. Um, I, I will definitely say how you feel about Zach in some ways is how I feel about, um, shit, I, I completely forgot his name because I hate him so much. Oh, Michael Bay. That's how I feel about Michael Bay. And I've been so consistent about how much I hate him. Like, as a director, I don't know him as a human, but I hate him as a human, too. But, yeah, now, how you feel about Zach is usually how I feel about Michael Bay. Um, I'll never forgive what he did to Ninja Turtles and Transformers. Ever. Ever in my life. Ever. Um, but, um, yeah. No, fuck Michael Bay. Anyway, uh, sorry. <laughs> That's a dark spot for me. Anyway. Um, the scene I'm putting up uh, is one of the more brutal fight scenes I have ever seen in my life. And I'm going to shock people with this because obviously there's so many more probably better action scenes that I could have went with. But this one was so raw and so brutal. I am going with my man Vigo Morrison in um, that sauna fight. That sauna fight was so raw. And if you guys don't know a movie I'm talking about, it's called Eastern Promises. Just watch it. Vigo is 
butt naked fighting off these other Russian dudes. It is brutal. Um, and it is literally one of my favorite scenes to watch because how brutal it gets. Um, and it's just so well uh, choreographed. Um, I, I think it's completely slept on. I think that whole movie is completely slept on. Um, huge fan of what Vigo did in that movie. And it, Eastern Promises, really good movie. Um, Dan, have you seen Eastern Promises? I have. I, I actually watched that in college for a film study. And I, I do remember the, vividly, I remember that action scene. It's a very intense, it's a very bloody scene. Uh, yeah, and it's it's funny because I, I didn't even realize Viggo Mortensen had been around so long. Yeah. But because I was like, oh, the first time I ever really saw him was Lord of the Rings. Like, oh, this this new guy. But no, he had been in like I just watched what was it, uh Crimson Tide, and he's in it with Denzel Washington and Gene Hackman. I was like, oh shit, there's Vigo Mortensen. Uh G.I. Jane, stuff like that. But yeah, he it was such a departure from what I knew him as Aragorn. Because like uh, yeah, he kills people, but it's not bloody and it's just like real quick. But like uh, no, he like he he it was like John Wick essentially. Yep. Before John Wick, so yeah, I, it, it's a good fight scene. It's a really good fight scene. Yeah, I, I just think it's not talked about enough because you know obviously, Eastern Promises isn't a movie that is literally something that you can just put on and and and, and digest just on a random Tuesday. Uh, it's not that kind of movie. Like you can't digest Eastern Promises the same way you do. John Wick like it, it, it's not the same but when I when I tell you it's who is it a good movie and yes is it completely different than anything he, he had done to that point for sure and it reminds me of why when I look back obviously I was too young when it came out but when I look back that's what I think shocks me so much about Quentin Tarantino is how drastically different but not really Kill Bill is from every other movie he's made like the idea that someone can do all the movies that he did and then do Kill Bill and then never touch anything like a Kill Bill property. I mean, um, uh, genre again is crazy, you know, because if you watch Kill Bill, the only way you know it's a Quentin Tarantino movie is A, Samuel Jackson is in that shit and B, it's so much fucking dialogue. If not for that and you're just blindly watching it, it doesn't, you wouldn't know that that's a Quentin Tarantino movie. It's just so different than everything else he's ever done. Um, but yeah, Eastern Promises, if you haven't seen it, please go see it. And again, it's not necessarily like a action movie, but that one scene, priceless. Um, Chris, I'm going to go to you. Wait, did I? No, I didn't go to you. I started. Sorry. I, I got to stop drinking. Anyway, Chris, um, <laughs> what, <laughs> what second scene are you putting up here? Oh, man. There's so many to choose from, but the one that sticks with me from my childhood is the fight scene from The Crow when he jumps on the giant table when all the gangsters are having their meeting. And it's not technically just a fight scene. I guess there's a lot of gunplay involved, but it's one that's very iconic in my mind where he gets shot off the table and everyone's like, he's dead. Then the crow flies in and he jumps up and just starts whipping wholesale ass. Uh, it's one that's always stood out in my mind and has stuck with me and made me appreciate that movie, even though 
don't necessarily love it as much as I did as a, as a maybe a kid or a teenager, but it's one that would definitely make my list as something I would go back and watch as a standalone just for that one scene. Yeah, I, I'm going to say this, and I know it, it will shock some, but if you know me, not really. Uh, it shouldn't. Never seen that movie. Never seen it. Never seen it, never seen it, never seen it. Add that to the list of the a million other movies that apparently I shouldn't be alive right now because I haven't seen. But yeah, that's definitely on my list of stuff I've never seen before. Never really had the interest to see it. Um, a lot of movies that I've gotten into are movies that like someone made me watch. Um, like to be completely honest with you guys, Dan, when did Game of Thrones end? Like a year ago? Yeah, last year, I believe. Last year, right? And that was it. It's what, sixth or seventh season? Eighth season. Eighth season. I got into Game of Thrones last year and binge watched that shit and then caught up to it to, to watch the last season. I don't really get into things when it's the hype of, of it, you know? Because to me, it's like, all right, do you really like it or are you just like talking about it because like everybody else is? I like to kind of get into things that people don't talk about, or I like to get into things way after. I saw Sopranos uh, last year. I saw The Wire last year. Um, and I like enjoying things on in my own time. So I think at some point I'll probably see The Crow. Um, but to this point, I have not. I, I, I will I will say this about the crow is it's before comic book movies became what they are now. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of things that you probably will find cheesy or not interesting about it, especially as I said it, I don't necessarily know that it aged as well, but just seeing it as so young when I was a kid, like seven or eight, right. uh, it stands out in my mind. And also he has one of the best like lines where he just stands up on the table and he's like, you're all going to die. And then they just all shoot him, and they're like, "Well, that was short-lived." And then, <laughs> nope, straight ass whippings, just handing out ass whippings. <laughs> I, I will say this, Chris, and I'm glad you said that. And Dad, I want to get your your thoughts before you go into your next pick. I need people to understand this. Some movies are generational, right? To where you have to understand if the generation after doesn't reside with what you grew up on right so i tell people this all the time if i grew up with uh batman the animated series right but you tell me uh and i tell you how great it is but you tell me you never saw it and your batman as far as cartoons is the cartoon the batman i can't tell you how stupid you are because you don't watch a cartoon i deem to be superior you grew up on it that's what you know, that's what resonates with you. Um, if you didn't watch Spider-Man, the animated series, but you watch spectacular Spider-Man, I can't argue. And the, the greatest argument to that, I always say is my stepdad grew up on Spider-Man and the amazing friends. When Spider-Man, the animated series came out, do you know how hard he tried to get me to understand that Spider-Man and the amazing friends was a better show? And I'm like, you are on crack. That shit is horrible. Like, <laughs> what are you trying to get me to watch? That's, that's, it's, it's horrible. Like, I can't get into it at all. So I say that to say, when I tell people stuff like Back to the Future, Karate Kid, um, The Crow, stuff like that, that I have not seen just because I don't really have an interest in it, 
I try to remind people, I was born in the middle of the 90s. By the time I understood what anything was, I was in the mid-2000s. Do you know what they were doing in the mid-2000s? Making everything so fucking dark. That's what I grew up on. You know what I can't stand? Cheesy. Do you know what those movies are? Cheesy. I can't do that shit, man. The whole 80s was labeled as cheesy, and I just, I can't do that shit. So I'm like, to see the Predator done again, to see Alien done again in Prometheus, I resonate more with that because I like the darker, edgier movies than the quippy, you know what I'm saying? So I'm like, I'm not saying that those movies aren't good. I'm just saying they're not for me. I would say, I would say part of the problem with The Crow is it tries too hard to be dark and edgy. It tries to be a harder version of the 1988 Batman to some extent. And that's partially its flaw and why it doesn't age that well. But without, without that movie and without Blade, I don't know that we get as many comic book movies as we have nowadays. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't disagree with that at all. But, but do you agree? And I want to go to you first, Dan. Haven't heard from you in a while, but but do you agree that people have to understand the generational gap when it comes to movies that not everything has to necessarily be passed down um, because it just might not be for whatever that next generation is. And again, I'm not one of those people that was like, oh, I've never seen the Karate Kid, but I saw Jaden's version and I like that. Like, no, I'm not one of those guys. I've just never seen anything Karate Kid. I agree 100%. Um, there was actually, as, as you were saying that, I remembered, I don't, I don't know if either of you gentlemen know um, who the angry video game nerd is. Uh, no, not familiar. From Cinemassacre and yeah. 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 Yeah, that's exactly it. He's a, uh, so he's a big uh, Ghostbuster fan, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle fan. So when uh, the, the newer Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie came out. He was on, you know, pretty much along the same lines with us. You know, I'm not really excited for it. I'm not going to see it. But then he also said, it's not meant for us. Right. It's meant for a new generation. And there will be kids who come up with that being their Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So where we hate it, or I don't know how uh, Chris feels about it, but where uh, Juwan and I don't like it you know there's a kid out there who's like that that was awesome i love those movies right uh, so we kind of have to just give way to that you know yeah um, and, and and i mean to, to me what's so important of that is and that's why i defend when people are like you got to stop with all these remakes you know be more original to me remakes sometimes work because it's like all right do you know how many kids couldn't get into the animated lion king because to them, it was just like, it, it's, it's not the level of cartoon that they have today. The humor isn't the same. The, the animation isn't the same. There's a lot about it that's just a disconnect. To them, this live action movie gave to them what the animated movie gave to us. And I'm like, I don't want to rob that from them. You know, like if, if there's a kid that grows up and watches Creed and Creed gets them into Rocky, how you get there doesn't matter, you know, but if, if Creed to you is what Rocky was to someone else, why does it matter, you know? But that's why to recreate something that was that popular is important because sometimes it's the best way to get kids interested 
today and something that existed 20, 30 years ago. So I'm like, if you're doing Ghostbusters, even though it's a continuation to a, to a degree, if this new Ghostbusters is a hit and it gets this younger generation interested, who knows? Maybe they go back and watch the originals if they haven't already seen it. And maybe that's how they get into it. So to me, these these remakes aren't necessarily bad because it's a way to kind of bridge the gap of something that came out in 1980 and the kid was born in 2000. You know, like you trying to get a kid that that likes action movies interested in Rambo when like he grew up on John Wick and, and Matrix and, and Mission Impossible seems kind of hard, you know? So if they redid it, and it's like, oh, okay, I see it. But like from today's lens, like, oh, okay, I get it now. To me, boom, that's that's beautiful. That's completely beautiful. Um, so I, I don't know. I just think older people need to always respect that there's a generational gap. When you tell your kids, hey, the little Uzis and stuff, I hate your music. And it's like, what the fuck do you think the humpity hump like songs and shit were? Kid and play were to the generation before you. They probably looked at that shit like, what is that? So I'm like, there's a generational gap we have to respect because times change. Um, but I'm sorry, Dan. Long-winded. Sorry. Go into your next uh, big action sequence that you're putting up. Uh, yeah, so my... I'm not even a big fan of this movie. It's a good movie, uh, but I'm not a, I'm not a huge fan of it. But this action scene alone puts it in, in the top for me is old boy the original version uh the hallway fight scene and it's uh everyone always sings the praises of uh the first season of daredevil when uh daredevil has that uh, continuous fight scene in the hallway uh old boy's fight scene is daredevils on crack it's just it's a non-stop and it, it's from the side view uh and it's just guy after guy after it's it's a video game where it, it's almost like ninja gaiden where guys are just constantly coming after you from one side of the screen and you're just mowing them down that's old boy and he there's no i don't believe there's any guns in it but there's a hammer in it and it's he's just whacking dudes in the head with the hammer and it martial arts it's awesome i if you haven't seen that fight scene you don't even have to see them. Well, I would recommend seeing the movie. It's, it's a good movie, but just watch that scene. It is phenomenal. I, I would def I would definitely say I saw obviously the the newer one that I think Spike Lee directed. I think it was what Josh Brolin. Uh, yeah, Josh Brolin's in it. Yeah, um, I, I I saw that one. I, I didn't. I don't even think. I think maybe my dad told me that it was like a remake, but I, I think I forgot in time. So I'll make sure I I go check that out. Um, but to me, it's one of those things to where it's like, everything comes from something. And if that continuation of Daredevil came from that, kudos, because I'll tell you this right now, that started an entire trend. You, you know, what it, that Daredevil hallway scene is as iconic for action as that stupid ass Black Widow curling around someone's neck flip shit that she does like literally every female did that every single movie after that um so if that's the og then then i completely appreciate that because a lot of people tried to duplicate what daredevil did um 
you know, I'm even hearing there's rumors that we could get something like that in the Batman. And I'm like, I'm already milking. Like, give it to me, please. Um, but yeah, I mean, that that's that's action at its finest right there. Um, so I'm definitely going to have to check that out. Because if there was an OG to that, I, I need to watch it. Um, if you guys don't have one, don't worry about it. But um, honorable mention, I'm throwing in what I deem to be one of the greatest action movies of all time that deserved a sequel. But since the United States sucks balls, it will never get one. And that's Ninja Assassin. Um, And that bathroom scene where his sensei tells him to go get the watch and he has to merc this this big-ass dude, um, that still stands up to me. That was, oof. Goddamn, I love Ninja Assassin so much. Oh! God, I love that movie so much. Um, Dan, you you seen Ninja Assassin? Uh, no, I've never even heard of it. Oh my God, Dan, I'm gonna send you the trailer so you can watch it while Chris is talking. Okay. Um, when I tell you that movie was so much fun, oh my God, Chris, please tell me you've seen Ninja Assassin. Chris. I have, but it has okay. been a while since I've seen it. Um, it does remind me, I mean, that's like a common trope is like, if you can take this coin from my hand in Kung Fu movies without getting your ass whipped, <laughs> it's kind of like very similar to that. But I do remember the scene you're talking about. I just don't remember all of the action in it. Um, that is a really good movie. I, it's one that I probably should check back out. But it's like I said, it's it's probably been a few years since I've seen it. Yeah, it, it's one of those things to where it's like, um, it was one of those really, really, really good action movies. Came out in like a lull of a year. Um, and I just remember, like, I think critics shredded it. Um, and is does the story, is the story the greatest? No, but it's not bad by any stretch. Um, and I loved every single thing I saw of it. Um, and that specific scene that I'm talking about, it's not really a spoiler, Dan, I, I promise. But what I love the most about it was how raw, and again, when it comes to action, I, again, I grew up in a time where brutal was the thing. Um, and when I tell you how he, how he got that watch was as brutal as brutal gets, I loved every second of it. Um, and I hope one day we, we get a, a follow-up to it because it was, oof, it was good. Um, I would definitely say, Chris, I would love for us to review it one day, uh, whenever you get a chance to check it out again. Um, cause that was well-directed, uh, nice little twist at the end. Um, I know a lot of people thought, and I've never played it, Chris, uh, definitely, uh, chime in here, but. A lot of people were saying it was somewhat loosely Ninja Gaiden, um, but I've never played Ninja Gaiden, so I never really understood the the correlation if there was any. I could see that a little bit, but my fondness of Ninja Ninja Gaiden would be the early games, and the story is very much like what you would expect from a Nintendo, not the oh. later games, which like <laughs> they they released one on Xbox and one on Xbox 360. So I don't know exactly what the correlation would be. So I don't want to speak too heavily on it. But I mean, hey, it's it's ninja based. So you can draw conclusions where I would more just associate it with 
classics of that genre, especially this the watch scene that you're talking about. Like I said, there's so many of like, you have to go get this specific thing, but also here's a guy that you have to defeat to get that. That That is a common trope they use in a lot of those films. One of the more badass versions of that is when there's a guy that holds onto the coin until you basically kill him. That's, yeah, yeah that's... <laughs> Yeah, no, it was it was just very well directed. Um, I like I said, I have not one bad thing to say about that movie. They did a great, great job with that movie. Um, I've tried my best to talk long enough, Dan, for you to watch it. If you did, <laughs> did you see it? I did. I just finished watching it, it and yeah, it definitely has that feeling of all the uh, like ninja tropes in it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I could see why you would say this has some good action scenes. It looks like it's all action. Yes. Literally from the very first five seconds of it to the last five seconds of it, it is just action. Um, and like I said, uh, to me, and, and here's here's the funny thing. I, I was laughing with my dad about this a while ago. I was saying how the best action movies usually have the most forgettable stories but that's because the movie is so focused on giving you the best action that it's like, why do you care that it wasn't the best story? It was just really good action. Like, that's what I attribute Ninja Assassin to. But again, the story wasn't bad at all. It really wasn't. And, and I promise you, Dan, you'll really, really, really enjoy it. Um, and you'll definitely text me after that bathroom scene and you'll be like, bro, what the hell did I just watch? This was crazy. And I'm like, I know, I know. I told you. <laughs> Uh, but all right. Uh, did you guys have an honorable mention? Dan, did you have an honorable mention or Chris? I, I, I have. Did. Go ahead. Chris, no, please. Well, hopefully it's not the same thing, but I have Neo versus <laughs> Mr. Smith in the subway fight. Ooh, that's a good one. Because oh, I went subway? Yes. Oh, I, okay. I got to hear more. Go ahead. I, I think it's okay. I, I think it's like, it's so important to that movie because he's not completely crossed over into the badass he becomes later in the film but he still puts up one hell of a fight the you get like a lot of great hand-to-hand combat and it gives us kind of the matrix wire stuff where he's flipping around in the air and dodging bullets and uh i i don't know man it's just absolutely great it's hard to explain you'd have to go back and watch it but uh no i i know exactly what you're talking about i'm just shocked And, and here's the thing let me let me preface this I don't necessarily deem it to be a better scene because I think Neo's best fight scene or or my favorite, let me not say the best, my favorite is a tie between the fight in the, like the little corridor outside of the apartment complex um, with the pole. And the only reason why that's my favorite has nothing to do with the movie and has everything to do with when Path of Neo, the video game dropped. And you could play that scene and you're literally fighting all these guys and like, like the pole will disappear and you have to get another weapon to keep fighting. You're just fighting. And I fell in love with that game. If they ever reformatted it for Xbox one or the new Xbox, I swear to God, I'll be gone for like a month. Um, But it's between that. And I'd probably say the scene where they were in the house that every time they opened a door, it was like a gateway to somewhere else. Um, I thought that was a great fight sequence also, like a really, really, really good one. 
Um, but yours is in my top three all time of all three of those Matrix movies. I was yeah. just shocked that you didn't go the pole fight. Well, I think the the biggest thing with the Neo Mr. Smith fight is it is one on one. Where a lot of the others you have to you factor in other characters and the other um other agents, so to speak. Whereas this is this is the first time where Neo actually kind of stands up for himself alone, which is kind of great. It's been a long time since I saw it, but it always stands out in my mind because I watched this when it first came out and my mind was was blown. I was like, oh man, this is amazing. <laughs> I know like going back and watching The Matrix now is not the same as watching it with fresh eyes, uh, especially with all the good good stuff that we have coming out. But it's it's definitely one that I would throw an honorable mention. It, it's a very fun fight. And uh, man, the wire Kung Fu is great. That's the, what, what did they call it? The wire foo, yeah. I think for a while. So the, the wire foo in that film is, is incredible. And I will say there's nothing better than experiencing the first two matrix with somebody who's never seen it before. Um, and like seeing them enjoy it. Um, but yeah, I don't know what the fuck they were doing with that third movie, but those first two were classic. Um, but Dan, what, what is your honorable mention? Uh, I'm torn between two of them. One I really like, and the other, it, it's really good, but I don't like the movie. Uh, but I think I have to give the edge to Obi-Wan versus Anakin in uh, Revenge of the Sith. Yes. Uh, that That's probably the best lightsaber fight in the entire Star Wars series, oh. I think. Let let me help you, Dan. You said probably. There is no probably. It is hands down the best lightsaber uh, fight we've ever had in live action. And I, I There's think nothing even close. Is that is that where they? Um, is that duel of the fates first? Yep. Is that that's the first time you hear duel of the fates, right? I believe so, because duel of the fates wasn't what played when uh, when Maul fought Obi Wan and and Qui Gon. I don't think so. Yeah, I'm I not, but I'm not 100% sure. Let's, let's, let's say maybe. So yeah. that way, if it's not, people don't, they can't yell at us because we said maybe. Right. It's, <laughs> it's a hard maybe. Right. It's a hard maybe. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. Sounds about yeah, right. Yeah. I, I, I love that. The, uh, I mean, there's, there's one scene in particular, or there's one shot in that scene where, you know, they're, they're on the, the, the like the down, pole or i don't know what the hell it is it's a pole and they're fighting over the lava and they go to strike each other and the lava explodes up and the music swells i was like oh man this movie sucks but that's awesome (laughs) (laughs) and uh that one i i think is it's awesome but i don't like that movie the the movie that i really like but it's just it's not as strong of a scene is the um x-men to the attack on the mansion and it's the first time we get to see wolverine's berserker mode on like in live action and i i think i watched that scene on rewind a hundred times i'm shocked i'm shocked i'm gonna compare it to how shocked chris just made me with his matrix take and that's i would as great as that scene was, the fact that you took that scene over Nightcrawler is what shocks me. 
that's a good scene too. It's I, again, it's like growing up. You you, you know you, you play the video games, you read the comics, and everyone loved Wolverine. He was by far the favorite X Man, uh, X Man, uh, and you, you just see in the games like you can go into a berserker rage. In the comics, you see how he just goes crazy on ninjas and robots and all that good shit. And then you to actually see it in live action where he just takes down a bunch of faceless uh, black ops guys and he stabs guys against the, the, the fridge and he uses his animal sense to, to figure out where these guys are. It's That stuff was like, oh my God, I've never seen him actually stab a person. It's always him just ripping up sentinels uh, in the cartoon. So it's like that, like, that was legit. Yeah, I, I will say outside of Logan, X2 probably is the best Wolverine we've ever seen. Yeah. Um, it legit was the purest Wolverine that you could have possibly asked for. And it gave me one of his favorite villains in Lady Deathstrike. And um, they criminally underused her. So they did. And you know what's crazy? I remember going to school and everyone going, um, who is that? And I'm like, I'm like, that's Lady Deathstrike. And I remember years later, people were like, no, that was X23. And I'm like, no. No, Lady Deathstrike. <laughs> like, come on, like that's Lady Deathstrike. How do you not know that? And they did a great job visually with her. Um, yes. And by the way, a lot of people will probably argue Days of Future Past and stuff like that. I actually prefer X Two over any of the newer X Men films. Oh yeah, um, that, that's still my favorite X Men movie. Outside, like Logan is the best Wolverine movie. Right. X Two is the best X Men movie. Hands down, hands down. I, I don't even think it's even remotely close. I I, uh, I I'm a big Days of Future Past fan, but I think it's more because of the casting than anything else. Yeah, that's it, fair. That's a really good movie. And and honestly, you know what it reminds me of? Days of Future Past is like the Pro Bowl. So it's like you have your team, like you're a Jets fan, right? But then it's like you watch the Pro Bowl and you're watching the best of the best all come together. That's legit what Days of Future Past did. So it's like a cheat code to me. Um, plus, plus uh, that that when when they play Jim Kershey's, uh, if I could have time in a bottle and Quicksilver knocks all the bullets <laughs> out, shit still sticks with me. It still sticks with me to this day. It's amazing. No, it, and look, it had one of the best Easter eggs that really turned into nothing. But I loved that, and it still stands out to me to this day. Uh, Quicksilver in the elevator with Magneto and going, my mom dated a guy that could that could do stuff with like metal and like you as a fan you're sitting there like that's your dad that's your dad that's your dad <laughs> like um so i'm like that was one of the more cooler scenes but to me nothing will ever knock how my mind blew when jean sacrificed herself and then you just see the phoenix in the water and i was like yo they're about to do phoenix and i'm gonna lose my mind and then i remember leaving that third X-Men movie going, maybe they should have just stopped after <laughs> X-2. Like, they shouldn't have done X-3. <laughs> it's, 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 it, seem, it seems like you feel that you guys feel that way about those X-Men films, the way I feel about Spider-Man 2 when he fought Doc Ock, because I think that's the best Spider-Man fight scene. Spider-Man 2, when he finally fights Doc Ock, that's you know, you know yeah, what's funny? pretty amazing. You know what's funny? Until Far From Home, 
I would have said yes, and it's not even close. But there's something so special about Peter actually embracing his spider sense against Mysterio and him kind of having to throw everything against the wall. And it's like, bro, there's no Stark. There's no, there's no one. This is you now. And he has to embrace that. Like that to me was so dope. But I will tell you, there is no Spider-Man scene better than Toby stopping that train um, and then him falling inside the train and the city kind of embracing him. Like, we're not going to tell anyone who you are, mainly because we saw your face, but no one knows who the fuck you are, kid. But um, I love that whole sequence uh, of to where it's like the city understood how important Spider-Man was in that moment. Um, he literally became like a city, like a city hero. Uh, more so in that moment than anything. That is the greatest Spider-Man moment to me, but I don't know. It's a tough one. That Mysterio fight at the end versus that Doc Ock fight, oof. I might have to rewatch Spider-Man 2. I might have back, to rewatch Spider-Man 2. Go back and watch the Doc Ock fight at the very least because yeah. it's it's incredible. Yeah, I, I'm going to rewatch that. Dan, where do you land on that? Which, which one are you going with? Or, or if you have another Spider-Man uh, fight scene that you thought was better. Uh, I think the Doc Ock scene is the best. Pure Spider-Man fight scene. Uh, him, because you have him on the clock tower catching the, the, the clock hand with the web, slinging it back up. You have him dodging traffic on the ground with his webs. You have him flying through bridges it's just, it's so cool the way he does that. Uh, you see his, his power, his flexibility, his web sling prowess. It is, uh, it's just really good. I think that's the best one. Fair. Like I said, I'm, I'm going to rewatch it. I've recently watched uh, Far From Home. So that's so fresh in my brain because I'm like, that, him embracing, um, his Spidey sense and, and being Spider-Man and being the guy um, and being able to take down Mysterio by himself. Like that to me is just, that's Spider-Man. Um, and that movie always just makes me emotional. The scene where he's in the airplane and um, he's making his suit and it's eerily reminiscent of when Stark first made his, uh, his Iron Man suit. I was just like, Oh, I'm going to cry. I'm going to cry so much. Um, so I'm like, that movie just kind of like sticks out to me, but obviously I remember everything about Spider-Man too. Um, the scene you're referring to is, um, when he's robbing the bank and then like kidnaps Aunt May. Um, and he's like trying to save her and <laughs> stop Doc Ock, uh, that leads to the, um, the infamous train scene. Um, but I just have to watch it again, maybe to appreciate it as much as you guys did. Um, but that was a little good segue there. That, that was a great segue. We, we, we got into X-Men. We got into some Spider-Man. Um, so hold on. Let me see here just to make sure we're good. Um, I'm really glad, Dan, you really have to tell me when you see, uh, <laughs> when you see Ninja Assassin. But anyway, our last topic of the day, we're going to talk best action drama. The reason why I wanted to talk action drama is I think it's very difficult to merge 
great visuals with a story that's just compelling. Like Chris, I, I know you probably feel that way about Mad Max Fury Road. A um, lot of emotion, a lot of great drama, probably the greatest visuals we've ever seen. Um, I'm going to go first here and I'm going to say my pick is going to be, whew, I'm going to go with the movie that made me cry the most. It's not my favorite, but it definitely made me cry the most. And that's I Am Legend. Um, the movie I think more so than any movie he's ever made in his life, Will Smith deserved an Oscar for. Um, I cried maybe seven times in that movie and I'm not even a crier. Um, when he killed wait 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 before i go any further dan chris you both have seen i am legend right (laughs) before i spoil the shit out of this (laughs) is is this the one with the weird zombie things yes okay yes okay cool dan you saw it Uh, i did see i am legend uh i did not like it (laughs) oh my goodness okay all right before we even get into that let me defend my my pick of i am legend before Dan comes in here and, and tears it apart. Um, by the way, I shouldn't have to say spoiler alert for a movie that came out, I want to say, forever and a year ago. Um, but spoiler alert, you know, out of courtesy out there. Um, but the scene where he kills his dog crushed me. But there is no scene in that movie that is more heart-wrenching than when he shows back up to that DVD store. And he's like, I promised him that I would talk to you. And he's talking to this mannequin. Like, like it's just like a real woman. And I'm just like, Will conveys emotion so well for a guy who was never an actor before he got into um, Fresh Prince and stuff. So it's like, God, this guy is just so good with emotion. Um, but yeah, uh, this is an action adventure drama. I loved it. It had the um, had the poster for BVS well before BVS was even made, which I always find to be hilarious. Um, but I thought it was I thought it was a relatively good movie. The concept was great. Um, some of the acting was eh. Some of the story was eh. But I thought it was a relatively good movie that had a amazing performance by Will Smith. I loved it. I, I loved it. I thought some of the action sequences were good. Um, Will Smith's always been good with a gun in his hand. He's always entertaining when he when he has that. But uh, Dan, I'll go to you first. You can tell me all the reasons why you were throwing up in your mouth as I was uh, putting "I Am Legend" out there. Oh, I I wouldn't say I was throwing up in my mouth. I just I didn't like <laughs> it as much. Uh, I I saw that was uh, the first movie I saw with my now wife when we were dating, uh, and. So I, I remember it pretty vividly. Um, I, I thought the graphics were very bad. I thought the story was kind of boring. Uh, I thought the ending was terrible with just like he just sacrifices himself like that. I, I There was an alternate ending, which I thought was better, how it showed the, um, like the vampire zombie things. Yeah. How they weren't even... Uh, how they weren't even evil per se. They were just, they wanted, I think it was the, the one that he captures, it's his wife. So it, they were just trying to live essentially. Um, so I thought that one made made a little bit more sense in the grand scheme of things. Uh, I did get emotional when he killed his dog. I didn't like that. That was unfortunate. 
but yeah, it's, I didn't think it was a strong movie. I, it, it lacked, it lacked in certain areas, but I, I didn't hate it. <laughs> like, I, I don't want you to think that I'm hating on it. I, just, I was just disappointed because I, I like Will Smith. I, I would say I love Will Smith. He's a very good actor. Yeah, no, that was definitely, <laughs> that was definitely Dan's way of saying like, no, 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 your food wasn't nasty. I just don't want any more. Like, <laughs> like I'm full. It's like, you took one bite. Yeah, no, 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 I'm full though. Like, don't, don't put that shit in my face again. Um, but Chris, what are, what are your thoughts on my pick for I Am Legend for one of the best action dramas? I feel like that we need to get shirts made that say less animals, more kids just based off the horror podcast we've done in the past. <laughs> because that's the one thing I think we all come to terms with on this film is that uh, it was really sad when he killed his dog, man. <laughs> like, yeah, that's, sure. that's what I remember from that movie. I also did not necessarily care for it. <laughs> uh, I thought the ending was pretty rushed. Uh, Will Smith was Will Smith. He's everything I would want Will Smith to be in that movie. I just didn't necessarily like the movie that much. But that was sad when that he killed his dog. Sad. That was very sad. <laughs> um, mainly because we saw how loyal that dog was. I'm like, a kid wouldn't have jumped out there and tried to save me from those those zombie dogs. A kid would have ran away. Dog loyal. That's why you keep them. Loyal dogs. Um, but all right. So, all right. I, I didn't sell you guys on that pick. Uh, Dan, what, what are you putting up then for your, your action drama? Action drama? This one's tough. I've been thinking about it the entire night. Uh, I, I don't... This, man. This, I would say Gladiator counts as an action drama, sure. right? Yeah, 100%. Okay, I, I, would say, I would say Gladiator. Gladiator is one of my top movies. Uh, probably, I think it's my favorite Russell Crowe movie ever um yeah I, I i watched that with my dad when it first came out uh we went to the theaters and saw it and we were just both like wow that was really good and so it's a good memory um but yeah it's i've always had a, an obsession with ancient history so to see how they use the coliseum uh i i think there was a scene plan but it was too expensive they were going to film a naval battle in the Coliseum, which which they did, and that would have been awesome. But you know, they have the tiger fight, they have the chariot fight. Uh, it's it's some pretty good action sequences, albeit not they're not super long sequences, but just you know, solid acting all around. Joaquin Phoenix is great in it. Uh, a, a tight story. You, you care for uh, Maximus because he's not a bad guy. He just, it's, it's almost like he's in the mafia where he just wants to get out and the mafia won't let him get out. So they send a message. They, uh, they kill his family. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's just, that movie, uh, it's, it stands the test of time for, for me at least. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's hard to watch that ending. That, that ending is, is, is pretty hard. It, it hits you. Um, and it's crazy. It's crazy to know that Russell Crowe went from that to, <laughs> to running down a, a single mom in a <laughs> in a road rage movie. But you know, 
times. Um, what is it? Our life comes at you fast. Yeah, yeah. Um, but um, no, I mean that that's a great movie, and uh, you don't get any better with with action and, and an action drama blend than than Gladiator. I mean, one of the greatest cults of all time. You know, are you not entertained? Like, are you not entertained? Um, great, great, great pick, Dan. Um, yeah, no, great pick. Uh, Chris, where are you going at? I'm going to give you guys the choice. Would you rather hear about a stunt driver or a Vietnam vet returning home? I will say if your stunt driver is the movie Drive, I want to hear about that every second of the day. <laughs> so that is my pick if that's what you're going with. Yes. So my movie is Drive. I think it's absolutely phenomenal. I love that the first car chase scene is not a car chase scene. It's how you can outsmart the police. I love everything about that film. I think it is so underrated, even in, in car lore, if you like chase films or, or, or car racing films, that movie is so very, very underrated. Everything about Mr. Ryan Gosling in that movie just swells as being Steve McQueen-esque. It's amazing. From, from just putting on the Scorpion fireproof coat to, uh, you know, outrunning people in a Dodge Charger if I remember correctly uh, to him being so smart to be like well we need the most common car in the city let me escape these cops by driving a Chevy Impala from the Staples Center and parking it underneath a bridge that'll fool them it's great it's phenomenal it doesn't get enough love uh, if anyone wants to know the follow-up if we go around a second time I have another really really good one probably one that's better than this one but Drive really affected me I think it's a great movie I think it has an amazing soundtrack I think it's shot really well I think it's very underrated so if you haven't seen it anyone out there listening go check out Drive it's pretty great as soon as you said that I said if he is talking about Drive I am sold that is easily one of my favorite movies. Ryan does an amazing job. You are right. It does not get talked about nearly as enough as it uh, enough as it should. Um, even today, like even today, still talk about it. Like if someone's like, "Oh, that movie's old." No, 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 no. Talk about it more. Like talk about it as much as possible because that's the kind of respect it deserves. Um, and I'm usually Chris, a sucker for anything that has what's his name? Um, God, wasn't the guy that played the dad on Roseanne in that movie? Uh, no, but America's greatest actor Brian Cranston was in it. <laughs> Maybe that's what I'm thinking. I thought, oh, no, 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 I know a movie I'm thinking about. Okay, no, sorry. Ron, Ron Perlman's in it, so Hellboy's in it as one of the main mobsters. I, 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 I know Drive. I know Drive. I don't know why I was thinking. I know a movie. I was thinking Death Sentence. Okay. That's what I was confusing the uh, that guy with. John Goodman. That's who I was confusing him with. But um, yes, no. Ryan did an amazing job. That movie is highly recommended. Please, go. I'm actually going to watch it again now that I'm confusing <laughs> bad guys and stuff in it. But um, great pick. Great pick. And I'm glad we were on the same wavelength when you were like, pick one. And I'm like... I know where you're going. Uh, um, we will do a, a, another go around uh, for everyone's honorable mention. But uh, Dan, oh no, Dan, you said um, Gladiator. 
Yeah. All right. Um, so we'll do another one around. I'm going to go. Let me see. I got one here that I wasn't sure if I wanted to use. But let me see if it still makes sense for me to use it. Um, I actually thought this one was an out there pick. But I was really a fan of it. And you know what? I'm going to go with this, even though I'm going to get a lot of flack for it. I don't care. I'm going to go with, um, damn it, no. Oh, yeah, no, no, no. okay, perfect. I'm going to go with uh, Dread. I'm going to go with Dread. There's nice. no argument to be made. Um, God, what's his, what's his name? I completely just blanked out. Carl Urban, that's all I need to say. Boom, there you guys go. You should understand why I picked Dread. Um, Dan, uh, w- what are your thoughts on Dread? Uh, did you enjoy it? I did. I think that movie's criminally underrated. Uh, yeah. I I know that there had been rumors for a while that we might be getting a Netflix Dread series, but I think that kind of fell through. Um, I loved Carl Urban as Dread. I thought that was he was awesome. I- I'm a big Carl Urban fan. Um, Same here. Yeah, I, I think he's up there, and he's showing his chops in uh, the boys. But you know, it's crazy. <laughs> you know, it's crazy. I, the other day, I was watching. Um, what do you call it? Uh, shit with Vin Diesel. Um, uh, not Pitch Black, the one after. Oh, The Chronicles of Riddick. Yes, and I'm like, I'm watching. You ever, you ever watch something, and the actor that you grew to love look so much differently now than what they look like when they were like 20 when they first made something oh yeah he's much younger in that movie yes i'm watching it and i'm just like i really like this guy and like my dad was like well that's your guy carl urban and i'm like no it's not and he's like no and i'm looking at his face and i'm like oh shit that's carl urban like i didn't even know that um i would have brought up so many other projects before i remember chronicles of riddick uh, but he was great in that. Um, I would definitely say Chronicles of Riddick was great of Vin Diesel. There are only two Vin Diesel movies that I look at and I'm like, it's not Vin Diesel playing Vin Diesel. It's Riddick and it's the Boiler Room. Like, those are the only two projects to me that I look at. And I'm like, no, nah, that's some pretty good acting by Vin Diesel. Um, but yeah, I completely forgot he was in that. But it is criminally underrated. I don't know if that Netflix series will ever happen with him, you know, being busy with the boys now. Uh, But thank goodness that we got him for the boys. Um, But that just deserves to be brought back. Like, come on. It was just so well done. So well done. And I didn't even think the action was all that great. It's just the premise of the movie. It's just how they shot it. How awesome he was is dread. Oh, now I got to go watch that again. God damn it, Dan. Um, but I'm definitely, your choice. I know, but still, you were hyping it with me. Oh, um, okay. <laughs> um, no, I'm definitely putting Dread up there as, as my honorable mention. I love that movie to pieces. But Dan, what is your honorable mention? Uh, I'm gonna make an argument for The Dark Knight. Ooh, that has some drama in it. Uh, with with Two Face and Rachel. Uh. And just the the duality of Batman and Bruce Wayne, him wanting—it's the first time we've ever heard 
of Batman of Bruce Wayne wanting to give up the persona of Batman. So he's fighting with himself on finding his uh, quote unquote successor to take care of Gotham. And it, it just leads to a bunch of problems. Uh, so yeah, I'm I'm gonna make the argument for that, it, and it has uh, it has some good action scenes. Not not a whole lot, but there's you know obviously there's action in it. It's a comic book movie. Uh, yeah, that that's gonna be my my follow up. All right, so I just did a pod with AJ that we knew would get so much flack, but it was our podcast talking about the history of live action Batman. And our argument about the Dark Knight trilogy was that it is grossly overrated, but it's only overrated as a Batman movie. And I know this to a lot of people sounds weird, but the Dark Knight trilogy are three phenomenal movies. I mean, great, great movies. They are some of the worst fucking Batman movies I've ever seen in my life. Um, they just, Christopher Nolan just, like, tr he tried to, to access a, a portion of Batman that literally no one on planet Earth asked him for. You trying to make the, the ideology of Batman and the mythology of Batman equate to, like, what it would be like if it were real is some of the most frustrating shit ever. Um, because you literally watered down everything about Batman and his care and his uh, villains to kind of bring a realistic approach to it. And it's like, I don't need my comic book movies to feel real. And I, I was telling AJ, the biggest example of that is you don't watch Winter Soldier and go, man, this feels like a comic book movie because it doesn't. It feels like a spy thriller that has to have a guy who could bring down a fucking helicopter with his bare hands. Um, but it doesn't feel like that, but it's still a comic book movie in the essence of it. So I'm like, I'm watching this and I'm like, the guy just became Batman and he's already like, yeah, I'm kind of sick of this shit, bro. Like, I'm going to need you to do your job better, become the mayor, so I kind of don't have to do this shit anymore. Um, and then what the real true spit in my face was, was the entire Dark Knight Rises movie. How, like, A, you had Batman gone for fucking forever, um, comes back, you completely alter Bane, um, and then what pissed me off the most was, <laughs> I'll never forget Christopher Nolan going, I had no aspirations to do Robin, right? And then you watch the last five minutes of that movie, and she's like, oh, you should go by your real name. Robin and I'm like oh what the f what Chris what what was that like what what are you doing <laughs> which Chris Nolan or me because I have hard differing opinions than you do on this as we've talked about in the past we have but I think I think what I didn't convey properly last time was I think I was grouping it that there just weren't good movies because they didn't do Batman correctly I now have come to the realization they're great movies. Like if you if you if you don't obsess over Batman the way that I do, and you're just watching it for what you you know of Batman, the cartoons, maybe one or two comics that you read, the Batman '89, um, then I can see how someone would have no issues with it. 
But me obsessing over the guy that is a pure detective, the guy that is a pure ass-kicking machine, the guy that wants to be Batman more than anything. Christopher Nolan looked all that in the face and went, nah, none of that shit. None of it. None of it. Um, but but go ahead, Chris. I'm sorry. But but in relation to Batman 1988, they're that different as far as him looking in the face of being a detective and going, yeah, no, that doesn't matter. Because if you're telling me that Tim Burton did not look at the Batman comic and said, like, he, he actually said, I've never read a comic, like an actual quote. He yeah. did not fucking nail the Batman character, bro. No, no. <laughs> like we can't talk. But what you'll never get from me is me saying that he did. I've never said that he nailed Batman. <laughs> I've never said that. I've said that his Batman is is closer, is just closer in the, uh, the ideals of wanting to desperately be Batman. It wasn't like, all right, I want to be Batman for like two years so like the city kind of gets its shit together and then I'm like out of here. Like it's just closer to the ideology of Batman. But you're but no, stacking I'm you're stacking Batman. those films together like it is two years, but it's not two years. No, the whole point no, no, of no, him no, not no. wanting to be Batman not is that he's no, no, it's not two years. I'm I'm obviously um it's obviously <laughs> hyperbole. But no, I, I don't think that that is either. I think the most accurate Batman we have to date, obviously until this new Batman comes out, and that's going to completely blow me out of the water, but is the limited interactions we had with Ben's Batman. I'm like, in the five minutes we had of that Batman, complete detective, complete ass-kicking machine, like everything that I wanted, suave Bruce Wayne. I'm like, yes, all this in a package. Um, but no, I mean, it's just... He went too realistic with these characters that are comic book characters. Could it, could it be, could the reason be that he knew so many other comic book movies were going completely the opposite way of that while making that film? Because by the time you get to the third Batman, hasn't Iron Man already been released? And we're starting to talk about Avengers like I think from a directional standpoint, what he did with Batman actually makes the most sense for Batman, the character, because yeah, you're getting yeah. into the world of like time continuum and uh, invincible suits. No, but here's my issue. Batman is a very realistic idea. Um, so I'm like, the one thing about Batman that makes it a comic book character is the mythology of it. So it's like the Rachel Ghoul was a perfect casting. My only issue was if you've ever read the comic, that's not Rachel Ghoul. The fighting, that's not how Batman, like just a lot of it is just like, oh, what is this? Um, but I'm with you. Like, I'm not asking for Batman to be like Batman Beyond. Like the somewhat of how gritty he was making Gotham and like how how corrupt it was. Like, yes, that's the story of, of Gotham. Perfect. It was just some of the things of Batman and his villains that were just like, I shouldn't have left that going legit. Uh, Scarecrow was like the most accurate villain. And that's, that's only because that's almost impossible to F up. It's literally just putting a mask on his head, spray something and people freak out. Like you just, you can't go any wrong. Like you can't, you know, mess that up. But to me, my biggest issue with him will always be 
you just kind of looked any any kind of you know made it known that he didn't really have any interest in doing what we kind of were expecting him to do with it and that that will always bother me because i'm like you were right there nolan like right there but he gave you one of the best payoffs of all time for batman movies which is some days you can't get rid of a bomb which harkens back to the 1966 batman movie in which he can't get rid of a bomb he's literally running around with a giant bomb so his focus on batman versus some other directors that have touched that franchise over the years is actually closer now i will i this is a different you know what you know what's a good batman movie fucking dread honestly (laughs) minus the killing if you take the killing out of dread and he didn't kill anyone and sentence them all to jail the entire movie that's a better batman movie um that movie's great whoever had that on the list i think dan you had that on your list props dan had it on so we'll we'll segue out of this yeah i did (laughs) i forgot i'm like wait no dan i'm like wait no i did Let's um, let's segue out of the Batman because I'll never get to my follow up. Oh, don't your follow up. I'm sorry, Chris. Go ahead. <laughs> we we could have another whole. We've already done this before, but we can have a whole another podcast about uh, our feelings on the the Batman. <laughs> I could do it any day of the week. But go ahead, yeah. go ahead. Which which your pick? I had a Brambo First Blood, and I'll tell I'll tell you why. Because as far as action dramas go, this man comes back from war, shows up in a small town, and all he wants is something to eat. And he gets arrested (laughs) for being a hippie. They beat the living crap out of him. He has to escape from jail for crimes that he did not commit at all. And then take on a bunch of police officers for no reason until he ends up on top of a building (laughs) taking down half of the city only for the government to be like, yeah, we're going to need you as a weapon. And when he cuts that promo about their them blowing his best friend's leg off and his best friend dying of Agent Orange, that's good action drama. And also Rambo First Bloods. It's a great film. Well, I will I will pass this to you, Dan, because I've never seen any of the Rambos. Oh, really? First Blood is phenomenal. Um, that Yeah, it's it's a really sad movie. Uh, you know, yeah, it's action. Brian Den, he's great in it. Um, but yeah, it's it's really it 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 was meant to be a mirror to how a lot of vets were treated coming home from uh, Vietnam, and you know they were spit on and they were called vagrants. And it, it's great because uh, Chris mentioned some of the some great acting scenes, and uh, at the end when uh, Rambo's holed up in that, uh, it's like a convenience store and he's holding off all the cops and they send in the, uh, the general to kind of talk him down. Uh, uh, Rambo has this saying where, you know, in the army he was in charge of a uh, million dollar equipment and now he can't even get, he can't go anywhere to get a bite to eat. So it's, you know, we trust these guys with machines of war, but you know, we spit on them when they come home. That's really sad. And that's, it's heartbreaking to see that. It's definitely a drama. Uh, I think that's a great choice. Fair enough. I, um, it, again, it, 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 I, I looped that into a time frame of action movies that I just, I, I never, <coughs> excuse me, could really get into. But um, who knows? Maybe at some point, 
I'll dive into them, but as of now, really just no interest. Um, but all right. So, I mean, I thought we had a solid show tonight. We went off tangent a lot, but that's because we're very passionate about action movies. And I love that. Um, Dan, you definitely have to check out Ninja Assassin. Please, please, please check out Ninja Assassin. I have to go watch Spider-Man 2 again, along with Drive. Um, yeah, I, I'm actually really glad that I have stars so I can watch Spider-Man 2. I don't know what has Drive, though. Um, a movie, Chris, I would recommend to you, Dan, I believe you've seen it. Uh, the Gentleman, Guy Ritchie, one of my all-time favorite directors, Charlie Hunnam, Matthew... No, that's not Matthew Broadwick. Um, Charlie Hunnam, you've you seen it? No, I haven't, but I know Matthew McConaughey's in it. Okay, uh, Matthew McConaughey, Charlie Hunnam, uh, one of my up-and-coming favorite actors, and um, Henry Golding. Um, that is when I tell you guys that that is one of the more masterful movies in like the past five years. It is so good. Um, please check it out when you guys get it, get a chance to. I would love to talk it over with you guys. Uh, Chris, have you seen the gentleman? No, I haven't. I'm still reeling from uh, watching the Lincoln Lawyer, so it's going to take me some time. How good was that movie? <laughs> It's really good. It's a really you know good movie. You know, what, you, know what, you know what upsets me, Chris? What upsets me is this Academy looks Matthew McConaughey in the eye, right? And will give him some... I think they gave him an Oscar for the movie where he was like super, super, super skinny. And I'm oh, like... Fire Club. Right. And I'm like, okay, yes. Was that a good movie? Absolutely. I, I, I'm not here to argue that. Lincoln Lawyer was so good on so many levels. And I'm like, no one talks about that movie. No one talks about it. And I'm like, we got to start appreciating Matthew McConaughey, man. Like, he, he's giving us gold. Lincoln Lawyer and now The Gentleman. Oh, man, he is so masterful in The Gentleman. Oh, man, I'm going to rewatch it again. Um, but I, I, I love that movie. Please check it out, guys, when you get a chance. Um, we all got some homework to do. Um but yeah, did you guys have anything else you wanted to add before? Um, or, or definitely, you guys get off your um, your uh, your promos really quickly. Dan, I'll, I'll start with you. Uh, if, if I'm adding anything, or just like plugging our stuff. Oh, uh, both. Oh, <laughs> if you uh, had anything to add and then a plug. No, uh, I think you know you guys. We all named some very, very good action movies, drama movies. We, I, I'm, I'm happy with the, because it wasn't just like your run-of-the-mill action movies. Right. Uh, it was, it was definitely a good selection. So I'm, I'm happy. It, it was a good discussion. We, we definitely all enjoy action movies and it shows. But uh, as far as plugs, uh, you could find me. My personal Twitter is uh, at theaquino122. I also run the. D&D podcast, Stranger Damies. That's at Stranger Damies. Uh, episodes air every Wednesday. And we have a movie review podcast as well. Uh, they called this a movie, and you could follow that at The Main Damie on Twitter. And that's it. So, uh, new episodes air every Thursday. I definitely got to make, sh- uh, make my way on one of those, one of those episodes for sure. We, we spoke about it uh, recently, how... 
Tia uh, had mentioned she wanted to join. We would love to have all of you guys on out at any point. So you, it's an open invitation. We, uh, we record, we usually record on Tuesdays, but uh, it, it fluctuates, but usually on Tuesdays. So if you have a Tuesday open, uh, we can let you know what movie we're watching and we'd be more than happy to have you guys. Sounds good to me. There was already an episode that I regret not being on just, just so it, it was a fair, it was a fair fight. Uh, and you know exactly what movie that is, Dan. Uh, <laughs> oh, I can only imagine. I'm pretty yeah. sure I know what it is. <laughs> you know what it. You know exactly what it is. Uh, <laughs> but make sure you guys check them out. We retweet and uh, and promote everything that they do on that side, so you guys don't ever have to worry about not knowing where to find that content. Uh, Chris skates skate to throats. I don't know why that name always likes my tongue. <laughs> Um, in Wrestling Geeks Alliance, you got a lot to plug yourself, man. Yeah, Skates of Throats is a little bit on hiatus. We don't have a whole lot to talk about right now with the off season. Go check out all of our content. We got tons of rivalries. We have the entire season logged for the most part. If you want to go back and, and find out what happened last December before COVID, it's all there uh, at Wrestling Geeks Alliance. We've switched back to one show a week. Um, we're narrowing our content down so you don't have to listen to a three-hour raw review. I think that's good for everybody for the most part. Uh, but yeah, thank you so much for having me. And uh, uh, Dan, I'm just really sad I didn't get in on the the pieces review. That's 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 what I'm depressed about. Oh geez, yeah. I mean, listen, man, we're gonna have plenty more like that. <laughs> so uh, we're we're actually reviewing something kind of similar to that tomorrow. Uh, it's ridiculous, <laughs> but, but yeah, listen, if you guys, like I said, if one of you wants to hop in, you, uh, message me, you know, have, like on the group chat and we'll, we'll get involved, man. And, and I will say real quick before I send it back to you, Jawan, if you want to talk to me on Twitter at Chris R Patton on Twitter, that's general Patton, P-A-T-T-O-N, not P-A-T-T-E-N, Madden, uh, <laughs> You can hit me up on Twitter. Absolutely. Um, this was great, guys. Uh, me and AJ went on what we called a Podapalooza, which was in one day we cranked out four podcasts. Um, we broke down what to expect for Close Your Ears Dan, the Snyder Cut. We also broke down uh, live action Batmans. We also broke down. We had an uh, all-new episode of Star Wars Saturday. We hadn't had one in a long time, uh, so it was good to get back to talking Star Wars. Um, and I know I'm forgetting one. Um, I don't remember what the one is that I'm, I'm forgetting, so there's that. But we did go on a Potapalooza. Check us out on all your DSPs, Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, um, I'm sure there's other stuff, YouTube, everywhere. Um, but shout out to AJ for going on that pot of Palooza with me. That was very tiring that day. Um, but make sure you guys check us out next week. Oh, no, no, no. Next week, we probably won't have an episode. I think I'll be in, I'll be in Miami next week. So I probably won't be coherent enough to do a podcast. So just stay tuned, guys. We'll, we'll do another episode uh, when we can. Maybe we'll make up for it uh, this week. But Stay tuned, and we have a game show coming you guys this way that we'll probably get to after the holidays, um, but 
it's going to be a fun, fun, fun game show. You guys will not want to miss. Uh, so stay tuned for that. But Dan, Chris, thank you guys for joining me on an all new episode of GVN Review. Until next time, peace. <laughs>